Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths of God's great works. The command obeyed by Israel allowed them to experience what? The miracle. In contrast to the Egyptians, but the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea. The waters were a wall on their right hand and on their left. This was stated before the miracle, during the miracle, and after the miracle. Do you think God wanted Moses to communicate that this was a miracle? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Spurgeon told the story of an old saint who lay on her deathbed and declared that Jesus would never forsake her because he had promised so. Someone asked her, but suppose that he did not keep his promise and you were to be lost. Then he would be the greater loser than I, she answered. It is true I would lose my soul, but God would lose all his honor and glory if he were not true. Meaning God's motive for delivering us is not only his love for us, but also a desire to demonstrate his own glory and honor. And this simple truth we see illustrated with the Israelites in the parting of the Red Sea, where afterward it's written how the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Let's listen now as Pastor Xavier concludes this simple truth study drawn from Exodus 14. The children of Israel have made their exodus from their bondage of slavery, and they are on the move. Three progressive movements are given to us here. The real basic, but it allows us to see the mind, the intent of God, and what only He can do. First of all, we have the march of Israel to the Red Sea, verse 1 through 12. Secondly, we have the plan of God for Israel to cross the Dead Sea in verse 13 through 20. And then we have the crossing of Israel at the Red Sea in verse 14 through 31. Moses admonishes the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord Yahweh, which he will accomplish for you today. Confident. Great leader. Then Moses gave the promise to the people. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Great assurance. And Moses told them God would defend them. The Lord Yahweh will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. In other words, rest. You have to do nothing. God's going to do it. This is very hard for us to to rest in the Lord when he wants us to just sit and do nothing. Now, there's other times we have to move, and we'll see that. There's that. But right here it says you have to do nothing. But notice that The man of God, Moses, was also rebuked and instructed by God next in verse 15 through 17. In verse 15, Moses was strongly rebuked by crying out to Yahweh. Though there is no record of the crying to God, it is affirmed by God. Though Moses was pointing the people to God, he himself was not doing what he was supposed to be doing. Unless we want to blame God of being insensitive and wrong. Notice verse 15 at the end. Moses was supposed to be telling the children of Israel to go what? Forward. Whether he was hesitant or slow to respond, we're not told. But he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. Now, Moses was to be the instrument of God's miracle of dividing the Red Sea 
Verse 16 tells us. And that's all he is. Always remember that. That men are merely instruments of God. What happens doesn't happen because of them. It happens in spite of them. You understand? He was told to lift up the rod, stretch his hand over the sea, and divide it. The miracle is confirmed by two particulars. Don't miss them. In verse 16, they're at the end. The people would go on dry ground. The sea floor would be completely dry, not damp, not soggy, dry. The children of Israel will go through the midst of the sea, not some shallow area of reeds. You got to make a decision. Either God parted the sea and the children of Israel walked through it, or if you believe that it was just three feet deep in the sea of reeds, then the miracle is that he drowned the entire Egyptian army in three feet of water. Which way you want it? Notice the plan and strategy was articulated by God in verse 17 and 18 first by the plan of God. God would honor the self-will rebellion of the Egyptians once again. Yahweh would harden the heart of the Egyptians They would follow the Hebrews here. Again, the word is shazag, the same word, to affirm, to strengthen, to honor their choice. The outcome would be that Yahweh would gain honor over Pharaoh and his army, his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians would understand who Yahweh was finally. They would know that he was the Lord Yahweh. This would be when he gains honor for himself over Pharaoh's chariots and his horsemen, being humbled and destroyed. That's not the way God would rather you come to know God or for him to be honored and glorified. He'd rather do it through your repentance. You understand? That you would humble yourself before him and realize who he is and to know that he wants good for you, not evil. Notice the strategy of God then is given in 19 through 20. The angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, becoming a barrier shield between them and the Egyptians. This could be a Christophany, uh, appearance of Christ before the incarnation. Uh, We have the phrase, the angel of the Lord, which is a Christophany. We're not sure. Notice the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them as another barrier. The effect of the cloud between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, notice, is given to us in verse 20. The cloud became darkness to the Egyptians, so they couldn't see, and the cloud was light by night to the Hebrews. The cloud served as an invisible fence so that the one did not come near the other all that night. Why? Because all that night, he's going to be drying up the sea and splitting. You understand? And he was just going across it. Our entire life as Christians is to be a life of faith. I cannot say it enough that for faith to be biblical, it must be related to the revelation of God's word. God honors his word above his name, not our opinions, not our beliefs. Faith is not presumptuousness or the exercise of one's own will. It's foolishness. Faith is God directing me personally in a situation, course of action, or obedience to his will that does not contradict his word. You understand? 
because his word is the standard. You're familiar with Hebrews 11, 1 and 6. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's always based on his revelation, my believing his word, my acting on his word, my trusting his word. Your Red Sea experience could be trusting God to defend you against a very difficult situation. It could be false accusations that have been brought against you. Or they could be true ones. And God's in it for good, but you don't know. It could be a very difficult husband or wife that you live with. It could be that you have been struck with illness. And from the human perspective, there is no hope. It could be your children that are not walking with God. And when I'm confronted with these Red Seas, I must remember what the Word of God says. Paul the Apostle says to the Ephesians, Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and never. Amen. Whether he's going to act the way I think he's going to act is irrelevant. But I know God will act in according to his holiness, his justice, and his wisdom. That's my place of rest. That's my confidence. You understand? The problem is I see myself as a beneficiary all the time. That's the problem. <laughs> and if God doesn't do, then I pout. I can't believe it. You know, I've done all this. I've served him for 10 years. I, you know, I even prayed one night, all night. I can't believe it. As if God owes us something. The plans and ways of God are not in our control. They do not depend on our ability to understand them. And God may see a greater good in the long run than in my immediate deliverance. Like Joseph and many times Paul's situations. Can you handle that? Are you mature enough for that? Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, as God speaks through Isaiah, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord Yahweh. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Remember, Jeremiah was told by God to redeem the field at Anathoth. And he knew God spoke to him, then he started doubting. In Jeremiah 32, 27, he says, Behold, I am the Lord Yahweh, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? It's a rhetorical question with only one answer. No. There's nothing too hard for God. Now, whether he's going to work the way I expect him to or I think he should, that's irrelevant. It's not harder for God to heal your cold and to split the, the, the Red Sea. Whether he'll do it and wants to, that's up to him. It's all based on his perfect attributes, right? And so the plan of God for Israel to cross the Red Sea was to be an experience by faith. An experience by faith. According to what he said. That leads us to the crossing of Israel 
at the Red Sea, 21 through 31. Verse 21 through 25, the miracle of parting the Red Sea is given to us. In 21, the man Moses was a mere instrument of God. Again, we point that out, very important. Moses in faith stretched out his hand over the sea as he had done in the Nile to turn blood red in Exodus 7.19 for the hail to come down in Exodus 9.22. And the Lord caused the sea to go back, it says, by a strong east wind all that night. This was no normal wind. This is the omnipotent God in control of his creation, his creation submitting to the creator, you understand? In fact, later on in the next chapter, we get the Song of Moses in verse 8. It says, by the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. That's a great picturesque figurative language. God made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided, it says in verse 21. The two specific details of the miracle is confirmed at this point that were prophesied in verse 16. He tells you before it happens, so when he happens, you know it's God. You understand? Look at 22. The children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground by faith. He keeps repeating dry ground. The waters were a wall to them on the right hand and on the left. The psalmist certainly believed in the parting of the Red Sea. Listen to Psalm 77, verse 16 through 20. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you. They were afraid. The depths also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out sound. Your arrows also flashed about. The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea. Your path in the great waters. And your footsteps were not known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Look at 23. The Egyptians followed hard after the Hebrews. The Egyptians pursued and went after them in the midst of the sea. They also went in. The entire army of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, horsemen. We get the direct involvement of God against the Egyptians. It's clearly stated in 24 and 25. He's looking out for the enemy. He, you know, we, even if you get the best guy watching, he can miss something. But God's not going to miss anything. And so in the morning, the Lord Yahweh looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud. And God troubled the army of the Egyptians, it says in verse 24. The word trouble means to move noisily, confuse, or discomfit. God was and is the defender of Israel to the present day, ladies and gentlemen. I like the response of the Egyptians. Listen, let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord Yahweh fight for them against the Egyptians. The Song of Moses, again, in the next chapter, verse 3 through 5, says, The Lord Yahweh is a man of war. Remember this. God is a man of war. We have the book of the war of the lords that we don't have. It's mentioned through Scripture. All the battles. One of his titles, the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven. He has no equal. The Lord is the man of war. The Lord is his name, Pharaoh's chariots and his army. He has cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone, like a lead balloon. Now the traditional crossing 
for the Red Sea is the Gulf of Suez and Mount Sinai in the wilderness of Sinai Peninsula. But it cannot be correct. Think with me. Moses was headed back where? To Midia in Arabia. That's on the other side of the Gulf of Aqaba, Transjordan. You have Moabites, the Edomites, the Amalekites. That's where they live. And they fight the Amalekites. God encountered Moses in the burning bush. Where? In Midia, Amman Horeb, Mount Sinai. And God told him to bring the people back to where? Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb. Where? In Arabia. Do you remember what Paul says in Galatians 4.25? He says that Mount Horeb or Sinai is in Arabia. New Testament commentary, ladies and gentlemen. It's not in the, in the wilderness of Sinai, in the peninsula. Therefore, the crossing of the Red Sea has to be in the Gulf of Aqaba. There have been found chariots and remains of chariot wheels in that in the very area. 1984 and on. There is an area, the whole region there in that Gulf of Aqaba has a, a steep decline canyon. It goes down to about 5,000 foot deep. But there is this area wide enough that just happens to have a six degree slope that goes down to 900 to 1,000 feet depth. And then an uphill the same. Could very well accommodate. If that's the place, certainly it's possible, but God doesn't need that. But I'm telling you, it's there. You understand? He's going to Midia. The journey begins in Exodus 12, 17, out of Egypt. It finishes at Mount Horeb in chapter 19, verse 1 and 2. Mount Horeb is in Midia, Saudi Arabia, west of the Gulf of Aqaba. That's where it is. Now notice verse 26 to 31. The miracle for destroying the Egyptian army in the Red Sea is recorded. In 26, the command was given to Moses by Yahweh. The command was the same as when he parted the sea. Then the Lord Yahweh said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea. The purpose is clear, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, their chariots, and their horsemen. The command was obeyed. By Moses in 27 and 28. Notice the general description is given first in verse 27. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth. While the Egyptians were fleeing into it. The emphasis is the return to its full depth. Not three feet of water. The Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the mist. The mist of the sea. Not a puddle. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, all the armies of pharaohs that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them, the Egyptians remained. Remember the plagues? Not one frog, not one lies, not, not one. The command obeyed by Israel allowed them to experience what? The miracle. In contrast to the Egyptians, but the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea. In view of an authentic miracle, the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. This was stated before the miracle, during the miracle, and after the miracle. Do you think these details are are important? (laughs) 
Do you think God wanted Moses to communicate that this was a miracle? Yes. And so the summary statement of crossing the Red Sea is given to us in 30 and 31. In 30, God was responsible for the deliverance of Israel alone. So the Lord Yahweh saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. A done deal. In 31, God was building their faith in him alone. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord Yahweh had done in Egypt. In the rest of 31, God was seeking their trust in him alone. The people feared the Lord Yahweh and believed the Lord Yahweh and his servant Moses. James 1, 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The great benefit of walking by faith and obeying God is that each of us as individuals will know that he is the one who's moved and acted. No one else. I need to know that. You will not be able to give the glory to your pastor then. You will not be able to give your glory to yourself. You will simply give all the glory to God for whatever he has done for you because you were there. You saw God turn a bad situation for good. You saw God change the hearts of your husband, your wife, your children. You saw God how he provided for you in the most difficult situations. You saw how God protected you. Jeremiah 9, 23-24 says, Thus saith the Lord Yahweh, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord Yahweh, exercising loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight, says the Lord Yahweh. Paul the Apostle, writing to the Corinthians, makes the crossing of the Red Sea a parallel to our experience. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 5 says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed under the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, manna, we'll get into that later, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Where will you be two years from now, five years from now, ten years from now? Will you be walking with Christ? Or will, will you be one of the casualties in the wilderness? It's all up to you. Whether your faith is really upon Christ or upon the benefits of Christ. Whether you're trusting, looking to Him, or you're looking to yourself. And so, the crossing of the Red Sea has been laid out for us in these three progressive movements. Great lessons for us. The march of Israel to the Red Sea was a test of faith. The plan of God for Israel to cross the Red Sea was to be experienced by faith. And the crossing of Israel to the Red Sea was a testimony of faith. I think we can apply that to our lives, can't we? (laughs) I think there's many parallels. 
So what is your red seed this morning? Go through it. Look into God. He will be faithful. Pastor Xavier Reese and the test, experience, and testimony of faith of the Israelites at the parting of the Red Sea of Exodus chapter 14. Now, just before we close, let me mention that copies of today's study titled The Crossing of the Red Sea are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last we were together as well. Now, once again, the title to ask for is simply The Crossing of the Red Sea, or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com